Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I'm joined on the other line, as always, by Anthony Chang. What's going on, Anthony? Uh, again, at home. Yes. <laughs> Nothing new. Uh, and also on with us this week, we got Barry Jackson, a columnist uh, who covers everything for us at the Miami Herald. How's it going, Barry? Hi, David. Hi, Anthony. Good to be with both of you. And Uncertain times, huh? Not knowing when we'll have a season or if we'll have a season. Yeah, so we're going to kind of try to hit on a bunch of different topics today uh, because we have Barry on here, and obviously you guys have, I'm sure, all read Barry a lot, but um, good to actually get his voice uh, on some of these topics today um, as we are still waiting to see what will happen with the NBA season. I guess you know that's where we have to start. We want to talk a lot about uh, free agency and the future of the Heat today, but we, we have to start with just like kind of the current situation. Um, do you want to just kind of go around each of us kind of talking about what we kind of envision happening, what uh, what the possibilities might be? Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, um, and today you know China keeps pushing back their league restart time. Um, you know, it's obviously hard to compare the U.S. to China in, in terms of the handling of this pandemic, but it might be a little bit of a hint that we're still pretty far off considering, um, you know, they're theoretically ahead of us, ahead of us on this timeline. Yeah, I think that's, I think David, that's the most discouraging part of all of this. Um, you know, again, it's, it's hard, to, it's hard to say how similar, you know, China and the U.S. is as far as their basketball leagues, but, uh, you know, I don't think it's a secret that, that the NBA was looking at the CBA as a test case, kind of for what it might look like to restart play. And the fact that the Chinese Basketball Association keeps pushing back uh, the, the, you know, the start of the season. At first it was April, then it was May, and now today it came out that they're going to push it back to July at the earliest. Uh, this league was shut down in January. Yeah. That at least a six-month shutdown. Um, if the, if the NBA follows that timeline. That means the season wouldn't start until September at the earliest, and that's probably not going to happen. I mean, to start the season in September, to resume the season in September, that's way too late. So, um, you know, at first, for me, honestly, I was optimistic that it would come back at some point, but just seeing how things are unfolding, it's going to be tricky. Um, but, you know, again, the NBA has time. They have a few months here, um, but uh, it's definitely not going to be easy. And, you know, at this point, I would not be surprised if the season is completely lost just based on how things are happening here recently. Yeah, it um, feels less optimistic every day. Um, but especially if they want to, you know, they've, they've kind of talked a lot about how, um, or at least it's been reported a lot, that they'd like to start the next season on time. And it feels like at a certain point it becomes the sunk cost of losing this season. But, um I don't know, I'm still probably on the more optimistic end of thinking they could at least have some sort of condensed playoff uh, as long as we can kind of get back to somewhat normal. Obviously, there's not going to be fans and, and all that stuff, and maybe a neutral site is necessarily necessary. But I think ultimately that there, there are enough benefits there that I think they might be able to work something out, even if it's uh, something very different than we are used to seeing. Um, but like you said, the, the China looking at that as the model and seeing it just keep getting pushed back is obviously uh, pretty discouraging. Uh, Barry, what are your kind of thoughts on this? Have, have you been thinking a lot about what this might, what a restart might look like if a restart might happen? 
I'd be very surprised if we restart the season, guys. I just think there's so many challenges with playing in a bubble. Now, the NBA yeah. might ultimately have to do that to begin next season if medical experts say the social distancing is still needed even as late as this fall. And you're hearing some doctors now saying that's a real possibility, especially if there's no proven established medication in place to treat symptoms at that point. But all the people you would need to be in that bubble, if you play at a Las Vegas hotel, you're talking about not only players, coaches, training staffs, medical staffs, but people who would clean the rooms, people who would cook food for these players. And to introduce anyone new into that bubble over the course of a two-month period, which probably would be needed, could throw the whole thing off. And think how any league mm -hmm. would feel if they restart play and then suddenly have to cancel play because the virus has been introduced into their bubble of people. That would be disastrous, and obviously it would set back launching pro sports again uh, during any time in the next six, eight, ten months. So that's why I would be surprised if we see this NBA season resume, and I think these challenges are still going to exist, whether the NBA begins next season in mid-October has been the plan or whether it pushes it back into Christmas. I think what's becoming very clear is the likelihood of fans at games any time in the calendar year 2020 is off. Yeah, that's, that's over. I even wonder if we'll see fans at games any time in 2021 with a vaccine still 12 to 18 months away. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with, I tend to agree with Barry, and it's not even just the, the how difficult it would be to create a bubble, but just the risk involved. Um, you know, for example, God forbid an, an older assistant coach gets sick. Uh, you know, that's 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 yeah. a really bad look for the league and for sports in general. Um, it's it's a big risk. Uh, there's no guarantee. Even if you do create a bubble, and you go through all that and all the procedures that's need, that are needed to be to, to kind of do that, um, it's it's still a big risk. Um, and the NBA would have to be willing to take that. And I don't know if they are. I don't know if sports in general is. Um, so. Again, I think I agree with Barry here where they might just take a few months and see where things are in October, September, October, um, and start a new season. Maybe there's a therapeutic out there that will help um, with severe cases of, of, the, of the disease. Um, but until then, I just don't think the league is, would be willing and can really take the risk and also create a bubble where they can guarantee that everyone is going to be healthy. So if this season is over... Um, how do you guys feel about this heat season? How would you kind of like classify it? Um, I, I mean, I, I think Barry would agree with me. I think it was a productive season um, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of good things that happened. Um, you obviously hate to see them not get a chance in the playoffs. Um, not that they were, a, you know, a title contender, but you wanted to see what this team could do, you know, first, second round, you know, maybe in the, even in the conference finals. Um, but they just had a lot of young players I think could have benefited from, from the postseason, um, getting some experience there, um, and, and being able to evaluate this roster and how playoff-ready it is. Um, I think would be a good test, um, especially with a lot of these players going to be free agents this summer. So I think that's a little bit discouraging that you, you weren't able to see that. But for the most part, you know, the, 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 the growth that Bam Adebayo made, I mean, number one, was huge. Uh, he's turning into a star um tyler hero he got injured but he had a very you know solid rookie season kendrick nunn undrafted guy who just signed last day of the regular season last year 
um, and he turned into a starter, a rookie of the year candidate. So a lot of good things happened. Um, and, you know, I, I think it was definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be... important thing we've learned, guys, from this season, not only, of course, the overall team success, which has beyond, been beyond what anyone could have hoped for, being fourth in the East, but also the fact that each of your young guys has proven to be better than probably anyone could have imagined. I mean, going into this season, had anyone thought that Bam Adebayo would be an all-star, he would hook with stats that no player uh, south of age 23 has ever posted other than Oscar Robertson yeah, in terms of points, rebounds, this. No one could have been except maybe Alonzo Mourning, who said <laughs> franchise to championships. No one could have envisioned that Duncan Robinson would have the best three-point season in NBA history if you combine volume and accuracy other than anyone named Steph Curry. You could make the case that Duncan's season is better than anything any three-point shooter has ever put together if you exclude Curry. No one could have envisioned Kendrick Nunn would come in and become a solid NBA starter. I don't know that anyone would have said that Tyler Hero would prove to be the second-best clutch shooter in the league on three-pointers, which he's been statistically all year behind only Joe Harris. So each of the young guys has been the best version of himself and I think better than anyone could have realistically expected coming into the season. That, to me, aside from team success, is the best takeaway and the most encouraging takeaway of this season, guys. I think it'll be really interesting to see if and when this season gets canceled, um, just kind of how the legacies of these teams are shaped. Um, you know, you, I, you think of, like, the lockout season in baseball, and, and whenever you hear about that season, the first thing I tend to think of is, is the Expos. You know, it's kind of thought of as the year where the Expos, like, missed their chance to to win um, a World Series. I think maybe the Bucks kind of fall into that category this year. It's weird that, like, the Heat are such a team that – you know, at the beginning of the year, let's say this season got canceled 30 games in, it would have been thought of as like this great heat season. And obviously, you know, kind of the the lasting, the, the final impression from this year was them not playing as well as they did early in the year. I mean, the last game of the year was like a pretty horrible loss to the Hornets. Um, so it is kind of like you can kind of, certainly you can view it as a team that like faded down the stretch and maybe they were going to disappoint in the playoffs. But you can also view it the, kind of the way you guys are talking about. It. I agree. That's the way I kind of think of it is all these positives, the the breakthroughs from all these young guys. That this was already like this was supposed to be a transitional year, and it wound up being a, an even better transitional year than I think anyone would have expected. Um, and not only that, but you also I, I don't think they could have. You know, I don't realistically think they had any shot at making the NBA Finals, or maybe not even really the Eastern Conference Finals. So ultimately, like, kind of will benefit. I think the way this team is viewed because they didn't have the chance to have the flame out. I think they could have only hurt their uh, reputation basically in the postseason. I, I think getting you know, the second round the was kind of the you said, David, expectation. It's a very valid point that's worth going over in terms of we basically have seen two versions of this Heat team. The one that went from mid-October to mid-December that did not lose a single game to a team that's under 500. And then yeah. beginning with that Monday night loss in Memphis in December and that embarrassing loss in Washington the following week, a game that, that you covered, David. I was there, yeah. 11 losses to teams below 500. So to me, that does curb a little bit of the enthusiasm uh, and, and the good feelings about this season because you've seen a team revert to the pattern of Heat teams of the past three or four years that has been regularly losing games to bad teams punctuated by that Charlotte loss in the last game 
before going on hiatus. See you, Anthony, does that at all make you think the ceiling of this roster is more limited than maybe what we might have thought in early December? Yes, I, I, I think so. I, I think the, the, you know, I think the encouraging thing about the struggles, if there's anything encouraging, is you know why they were struggling. Uh, it wasn't offensively. I mean, offensively, they were better than anybody could have imagined. Top 10 offense, one of the best offenses in team history. It was defense. So I, I think they're going to have to somehow, you know, if they add to this roster this offseason, if they're able to, they're going to have to improve defensively. I think there's no doubt about that. I just, you know, I know people will point to, you know, Eric Spolcher can make this team a better defensive uh, roster and to become better on the end of the court. But I just think in the end, the personnel defensively just wasn't there. There were a lot of young players, a lot of guys who were really like Duncan Robinson, for instance, you know, he tries on defense and he's a really good offensive player, great shooter, but defensively he's limited. And there's a lot of guys like that that were playing heavy minutes that were limited defensively, um, and you saw it, uh, you know, in the numbers. I, I think they were 14th in defense for the season, but over the past few months, I, I think they were, like, in the 20s. So they were in the bottom half of the league defensively. So to me, yes, I, I don't think they would have won many games in the playoffs with that type of uh, roster construction. You know, this you need to have, a, you know, you have to be a good defensive team to succeed in the postseason. So... But I think the encouraging thing is, like I said, is you know why they struggled. It wasn't something like, you know, offense and defense kind of pinpoint, trying to pinpoint why they were losing those games. A lot of it was defensive. All right. Uh, you guys want to jump ahead to the offseason because that's what we might be in right now. And I guess really the, the 2021 offseason is what we, uh, I don't know, I think have all been thinking about for a long time. And it's, it's part of why we wanted to have you on, Barry, because you've written a lot about uh, you know, salary cap and, and free agent targets and sort of this plan for 2021, um, what this team has a chance to look like after that offseason, which is going to be kind of the next big pivotal offseason. Um, but of course, kind of we have to start with 2020 because that's what will set things up for 2021. What, what do you kind of see as the offseason plan this year? Um, you know, obviously they feel like they're pretty close to being a, a contender at this point. Uh, but they obviously don't want to jeopardize their plans for 2021. What do you kind of see as the plan uh, for this summer? Well, under normal circumstances, the Heat would have had a choice this summer. if We had never seen coronavirus. Yeah, if the season had yeah I guess we should throw massive caveat, like, who knows, because the, right. the, the salary exactly. cap's going to be totally different. Had a pandemic not happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, choice for the Heat to do one of two things. Either operate as a team uh, that was un cap a room team renounced all of its free agent group that includes Jay Crowder, Gordon Dragic, Derek Jones, Myers Leonard, Solomon Hill, Udonis Haslam, and instead using that $27 million in cap space to try to find help from outside. Maybe offer a bloated one-year deal to DeMar DeRozan if he exercises his player option, or to Serge Ibaka, although that would be a long shot. Your other option would have been have no cap space, operate as a team over the cap, and use the bird rights of all those free agents that I just mentioned to resign all of them, and you'd have a mid-level exception of close to $10 million to add a quality player from outside. So under normal circumstances, that would have been the decision. I would have a tough decision based in large on the top outside player you would have been able to have. Now, with the likelihood that the cap is going to be uh, reduced somewhat from $115 million, we're not sure how much, 
I think the on course and the likely coolest point is to operate team over the cap, use the bird rights of Dragic, Crowder, Derek Jones, Myers Leonard to sign all of them and keep this team together. Unless you find a trap out there for unhappy star. Obviously, Pat Riley's always on the lookout for that. So I think the likelihood of this team staying together has increased. The one area where a lower cap would hurt the Heat would be corresponding lower luxury threshold. So let's say luxury tax line is dropped from $139 million to about $130 million. That would make sense that the Heat probably then would not be able to use it. It would be that mid-level exception and be able to sign all of its uh, unrestricted. Then you'd have a choice of do you want to keep a combination of drug Crowder instead of Jones and Leonard. You want to keep three of those players instead of using your middle-level exception. So that would be the challenge. Okay, if you ultimately have to use Dragic, Crowder, Derek Jones, Myers, Leonard, if you can't keep all of them, you can only keep two or three because the tax line is lowered, or use your mid-level exception to try to get a player like Aninas Cantor or Reggie Jackson, someone of that ilk, would you guys prioritize among those five things if the tax line is lowered have to do only three of those five mm-hmm. instead of all yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'd prioritize continuity first of all. Um, I think you know we've all kind of written about this at various points, but the chemistry of this team, particularly early in the season, was I think a huge part of their success. So I think trying to keep as much of that continuity in place as possible. Um I think I would probably lean – I think Dragic was really valuable to this team, and he's the guy that I think I would, like, probably have priority number one. Um, he was so important to kind of running the offense when neither Jimmy nor Bam uh, was on the court, and I think you need kind of that clear third creator. And maybe Tyler can, can take a step forward and be that, but we didn't really necessarily get to see that because of uh, how much time he missed uh, down the stretch before the can't or the suspension of the season. So he's kind of number one to me. Um, beyond that though, I, you know, those, I probably, you know, I think, but after that it's between Jones and Leonard, but again, I think I, I like the idea of keeping the continuity intact as much as possible. What do you think, Anthony? Uh, I agree. I, I, but I think Jay is important. Um, because of the defensive I, side of it. Yeah. I, I, just because defensively, like we spoke about, yeah. this team needs to improve defensively. It can't take any step back, and he's one of your better defenders on the roster. He's a solid three-point shooter. Um, he kind of fits what you need off the bench. And, I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, I don't know. You know, they're probably, I'm sure they want to sign Derrick Jones, um, but it's going to be tricky. It's not going to be as easy as the other guys. You know, Goran might take a one-year deal. Myers Slatter might take a one-year deal. Jay might take a one-year deal. But... Derek Jones at this point in his career, you know, this is this is his chance to get um, to get his payday. You know, he's, he's probably going to want a multi-year contract. Mm-hmm. He's willing to eat in 2021 space. I, I it would be, it would, I don't think so. I mean, that 2021 space is obviously pretty valuable to them. They could have, it looks like they could have traded for Gallinari um, in February, but they didn't want to accept, you know, to sign him to an extension that would have taken away space in 21. So, they obviously value that space, so I, you know that. That to me, it might that you might not have a decision. It might be made for you. Yeah, that's where Derek Jones says, "No, I'll take a three-year deal somewhere else." You know, and and you could use that money on other guys. And I'd make this point too about Crowder, Anthony. You totally on him. Number two 
in priority behind only Dragic among those four guys for this reason. Spolster trusts him more than most anyone on the roster. That's he true. Honestly, is, yes. Is known, yeah. uh, stars. He played the fourth, fourth quarter of any player since the All-Star break, which is a clear indication of the coach's trust yep. in him. Yep. Because he can do so many things. If Spolster voices her personnel decisions this offseason, and, and we all know his voice will be heard, and well-regarded by Pat Riley, then I think he becomes a priority to bring back on a one-year reasonable deal, maybe eight merge. Uh, the way you made Anthony on Derek Jones is a great one. It's clear that he would like a multi-year contract. Now, Derek Jones has indicated he'd love to spend entire career here, but if a team like the Bulls, which has been linked to Derek Chicago sometimes, if they were all a two-year, $20 million deal, it would be difficult for him to pass that up if Miami is offering something along of one and eight million. So I think he would be one most at risk of being lost. Uh, as much as all three agree that continuity is probably best for this team and because of the rights to these guys, keeping the team together is probably the best way to go. I do want this. As Pat Riley sat the last few weeks and saw his team lose at home to Charlotte, as we talked about, lose 11 games in late December, teams with losing records, does come to the conclusion that, yes, this was a fun team. It's a team on the road. It's a team with some really good young pieces, just not good enough. And I would try to do something substantive before 2021 without obviously jeopardizing 2021 space. I wouldn't be he comes to that conclusion. That's the It's not only as simple as resigning those four for standing tax. Yeah, I was saying, yeah the, I, the thing with the Heat is always I, the, the most likely – Outcome is probably an outcome we don't consider, right? It's old, like even think of last offseason when they got Jimmy Butler. It seemed impossible that they could go out and make a big free agent splash, and somehow they did it. Um, the trade deadline, uh, you know, that trade was not really uh, – some of those names had been mentioned, um, and obviously on the Heat side, the guys who got shipped out were mentioned a lot, but that specific trade construction was not like on people's radar. They're, they're so creative with um, finding like the move that's like two moves away that, that we haven't even – conceived of and they probably haven't conceived of like some of the, the plans that will ultimately come together in the offseason yeah you, you, yeah that's a good point that I'll that's make a... is that if you think about guys who you could put alongside bank who would be established quality nba reserve fives no disrespect obviously to myers or kelly who are good players in the role here but you're gonna have players of the ilk of paul Millap uh, as a free agent this summer He'd offered him a long deal both the mid-level and they could get him. Obviously, he's a player who's not what he was in his glory years earlier in his career. But someone that could put alongside Bam just as they envisioned Gallinari. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think if, if they're able to, you know, I don't know if that would, if he would take that deal, but if they're able to sign a Millsap to a mid-level exception, um, I, I think you, you do that, you know. But I, it's going to be, it's like you said, it's going to be, like, like David said, there's going to be a there's going to be something that we're not expecting that's probably going to happen. But I agree with Barry. Where I, to me, I think the fact that this season this looks like it's not going to end, it's going to be a lot. It could be a lost season. I think that that kind of quote unquote unfinished business type of feeling that that kind of is left. I think that will that will push Pat to maybe bring this team back. It's kind of like that 2016-17 team that didn't get to go into the playoffs, even though they finished. Uh, this season, that 30-11 run, he ended up bringing all those guys back. And yes, you know, 
looks like yeah i was gonna say do you learn a lesson from that like that that's the other possibility but i did this team this team was obviously was gonna make the playoffs yeah it looked like it was gonna happen or in the first round so it's a little bit of a different circumstance um so i i just think i think with that the fact that you didn't get to see this team in the postseason and the fact that if if they're able to get these guys on one-year deals um you can make a one-year run at it and see what they can do uh i i think that's the most likely scenario to me so how worried are we about the uh the coronavirus and the financial fallout affecting the 2021 plan because you know we're we're, we're neutral observers, but I think we would all like to at least see the Heat like be a contender for Giannis because it would be a fun story. Um, how do we think that this financial fallout might affect that? Well, I think... Well, I mean, it's determined, right, Barry? I mean, no, I was going to say, it's, I mean, it's to be determined, right? I mean, the, the A, like you wrote, Barry, can't smooth, out, smooth it out over years, so it's not a drastic... Um, a drastic change from the projected number. Um, but it all depends really, you know, is the season completely lost? Will there be fans in next season at some point in, this, in the arenas? Um, there's a lot of different factors at play. But, you know, I, I think if worst case scenario happens and they lose this season and next season goes without fans, um, they'll, they'll probably find a way to smooth out where it's not a huge, huge change from the product projection, but it is going to be less. There's no doubt about that. No question. And you're probably going to see a scenario where the Heat's no longer going to have the ability to add both a max player and a second player right. making a range of 8 to $12 million, mm-hmm. uh, a year. Now, obviously, they'll want to keep the max slot, which they would have even if the cap drops, say, $10 million from its projection in 2021-22. The Heat still would be able to have a max slot available. Uh, so you are going to have an opportunity to add a star I would think the chances of Giannis would diminish if there is only one champion crowned between now and the summer of 2021, meaning no season resumption this year. And the reason I say that is I think the best hope of luring Giannis, who obviously is happy in Milwaukee from all indications, would be if the Bucks do not win a championship in two years. Right. If we're talking one-year sample size, say this season doesn't happen. Say next season the Bucks make the NBA Finals but lose to the Lakers or Clippers. It would be difficult for me to imagine that he would leave based on one losing appearance in the Finals. I think if there were two losing appearance in the Finals, two years of that championship, yeah. the chance of luring him would be better. Yeah. I think with some of the other free agents, you still have as good a chance in 21 as you would have had even if there weren't a pandemic now. With mm-hmm. Oladipo, we know he's been linked to Miami in the past. We know he likes South Florida. So to me, he would be a realistic option in 2021, whether this season resumes or not. And of course, the the big elephant in the room is uh, Mickey Harrison's business, right? The the cruise ship industry has been crushed like this, by this, like, pretty much unlike anyone else. It's, you know, who knows what kind of bailouts and stuff there are going to be and all that. And obviously, you know, he's making money off the heat too, um, but... You know, the Heat have we, – we're always talking about the luxury tax with them and, and will they dip into luxury tax. You have to imagine that at least some of their thinking will be dictated by financial concerns outside the league. I think they're sure. And they're in the luxury tax last season. Yeah. You know, I was going to say they're going to likely finish – you know, they're mm-hmm. going to finish some luxury tax this season. Um, 
And you know that's why next season, you know, a, a dip in the salary cap number, like Barry was saying, could impact things because they're not going to want to be in the tax again next season and face the threat of a repeater tax. They're just not. So um, that's where a change in the salary cap number for next season will impact the Heat because of that. I mean, they, you don't want to be, especially going to 2021, where you have all this money and you have all these aspirations of signing these these players. Um, these stars, they, they're not going to want to go into 2021 with two consecutive seasons in the tax. Mm-hmm. Good point. The fact that Carnival's stock is down significantly, Nikki Harrison has been hurt more financially than many NBA owners. I don't yeah. think that dramatically affect Heat business. I still think that Heat will spend certainly uh, to the cap, and I think their decision to not pay the tax in future years will be motivated more by the typical thinking that they don't want to be a repeater tax right. team Correct. The consequences of the pandemic. So I, I would be surprised if it affects heat business, even though I think it's a legitimate question to ask. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, anything else before we wrap up? Anything we forgot to hit on? Just uh, hoping there's basketball. Yeah. This- I wanted to mention one, I wanted to mention one thing, actually. We'll see it this year. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And sports in general, really. I mean, I know NFL is going on like business as usual, but uh, we're going to see in September what that's going to look like, right? Yeah. I mean, it's going it to – I'd be surprised at this point, like you said, if there's fans in the in, in the stands in any sport this year, this calendar year, right? So mm-hmm. it's really an uncertain time for all sports. But I did want to mention one thing, actually, that I forgot that I was going to make a point. Um, going back to bringing this roster back next season, you know, I think, yes, you could say this team uh, regressed over the past few months. There's no doubt about that. But I think if you're Pat Riley, you could also say, well, we have a lot of young pieces here. You know, Tyler was a rookie. Kendrick was a rookie. Bam was in his third year. He's only going to get better. The improvement could come from within, you know, and, and it feels like this team, with if those guys can make get even better and become better players next season, maybe it is worth bringing this roster back, you know, just because of the improvement that they can make from within. So I think that's a point that, you know, we should think about because um, there's not, it's not just a guarantee. Well, this is going to be the same team that was this, you know, that was this season. It's going to be different. They're going to be, they're going to be better. So also Jimmy Butler in his second season with the organization. So I think there could be improvement from within. Is this a title contending roster? Probably not, but I don't think any free agent they get this summer will make them a title contender. So there's that as well. It probably does also hurt just that these guys didn't finally get their first playoff experience, like this group yes. that, yeah. like that. But you're gonna get it eventually, I guess. And at some point, you know, they're gonna they're gonna have that experience and improve from it. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would I agree with you. Like I think that they're basically it's gonna look pretty much similar to this year, next year, but. Um, yeah, I think there will be tweaks on the margin like there would in any year. Um, but like I said earlier, it wouldn't surprise me no matter what they do. So <laughs> I'm uh, I'm never going to feel yeah. like I have an idea of what the Heat are, are planning. So that was why it was good to get Barry Jackson on. Barry, thanks for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at FLA Sports Buzz. A lot of NFL draft coverage from him these days. But we are all uh, eagerly awaiting to see what is next for the NBA, and Barry always does an excellent job of looking at the long-term outlook of the Miami Heat. 
You can also follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. He is also eagerly awaiting the return of the NBA. Um, you know, we've got sort of sporadic coverage as the guys are made available. Um, just got some stuff on Bam Adebayo earlier this week. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. I am also writing a little bit of NBA these days, but again, sort of uh, offbeat NBA stories. Wrote about 2K last week and Derek Jones uh, run to the quarterfinals of that ESPN televised tournament. I also uh, wrote about Call of Duty this week and Myers Leonard and a couple other NBA guys, why it has become such a popular hobby for these guys during their sudden ample amounts of free time. So thanks as always for listening, everyone. And uh, we will talk to you next week.